0: Welcome to the Money Better Podcast, brought to you by Union Bank & Trust in Lincoln, Nebraska. Get ready for an authentic conversation about how to do money better by making financial decisions that are right for you. Money doesn't have to be a scary topic anymore. Instead, let's get real about the lessons others have learned, then find ways to use those experiences to get it right. I'm your host, Caitlin Moore. Let's chat. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us for episode seven. We're talking with small business owners here in Lincoln to just kind of highlight how they got started and their age, because there is an age factor included in every single one of the businesses we are talking about today. Today, I'm actually co-hosting again with Patrick Reese. He's been with the bank for 10 years. He is the branch manager at UBT on the UNL campus. We are also here with Kate and Nate Jones. They are business owners here in Lincoln, Nebraska. They own two businesses, Cardinal and Pine Candle Company and Canyon Coffee Roasters. So welcome everyone to today's podcast. Thank you. Kate and Nate, can you tell us a little bit about each of your businesses and just for starters, how old you were when you started it?
1: So I, I started in 2017. Um, the, the process to starting a business takes a little longer than that, but in 2017, I purchased Canyon Coffee Roasters Okay. Um, and then last year in 2020, Kate and I started Cardinal and Pine Candle Company, I guess to go back on ages. So when I started Canyon, um, I was 27 years old, um, 25 when we kind of started the process. And Kate, this last year was 25. And so. Okay.
0: So young.
2: So you bought Canyon Coffee Roaster back in 2017 as a 27 year old, right, Nate? Yes. How how was that for you? Because did you have any prior like, business experience leading up to this, or you were in the coffee industry already? Like what, what led up to the, the Canyon coffee roaster step, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh, Great question. Um, I went to the university and graduated in 2014. And uh, at the university, I studied business. And so I kind of had a thirst for, for starting my own business at some point. Yeah, Um, Yeah. Also throughout college, I worked in the coffee industry. And so um, those two things combined really, th- that's what led me to, to start to purchase Canyon Coffee Roasters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I get
2: it. Were you, were you, was that like a exciting thing when you did it or Were you, was there like a little bit of nerves when you did that too? Like you signed the dotted line. It's like, oh my gosh, I got a company to run now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would guess that Kate kind of felt like that too, a little bit, um, you, you you're really nervous signing the documents, like signing yeah. the documents is a huge step because, you know, you run your numbers, you know exactly what you're getting into, but like signing that is, is like is putting it in stone, you know, it's cementing it um, <laughs> and there are, there are some nerves that come along with that, especially when, when purchasing a business, um, because there's a lot of money that goes into that as well. Yeah. So it's, a, it's an investment for sure.
2: So you purchased the business and then you went on and a few years later, Cardinal and pine candles becomes becomes a thing, and it was just, it was this like a, was this just a pastime thing that you guys started, or was Mm -hmm. it just something you liked to do, and it kind of turned into something here? What what uh, how'd that all come up?
3: Yeah, that was just something where we were looking for things. I think it was in the winter a couple of years ago, and we were just trying to look for fun date night ideas of things Mm -hmm. to do. And so oh, one of them cool. that we came across was candle making and we thought, oh, we'll go try it. So we went and got some things from, I don't even remember where now yeah. and kind of started experimenting with it. But then it got to where we'd give them away as little gifts for friends and family, or we had other friends and family that noticed like, oh, could you make me a couple? And we got to where they were asking so often for it that we thought maybe we should give it a shot starting Mm -hmm. to do a little company. Yeah.
0: Nice. That's
1: a good way to
2: go.
0: Date night. That's a, Yeah, it's a good way to start a
2: business. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to have to remember that if, if that that ever comes up, if I ever have someone to have a date night with that is (laughs) let's not put that in the podcast, by the way, let's just, (laughs) I just want to say that. Okay. There we go.
0: So you've started these two companies and they're, they're rolling, but did you face any adversity or challenges along the way with starting a company, especially it sounds like Nate, you bought a company. And so was there any adversity or challenges from that? And then rolling into the candle company too.
1: You know, there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of differences, Mm -hmm. um, in, in the two experiences for me. Um, one thing that I think is a little bit unique to Canyon was the, the lack of leverage when just starting out. Um, Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're, you know, making a business deal with somebody and you're trying to purchase a company, especially as someone just, you know, I'm just out of college. I'm just, just starting out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of leverage there. I didn't have a lot to bring to the table, so yeah. to speak, um, and so that was definitely a, a source of adversity for me. Was overcoming that lack of leverage and in, in getting into business.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, are you saying you were broke?
2: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> absolutely. That I think that's what, we,
0: that's what we want to hear. We were yeah. broke.
2: <laughs> that was a very eloquent way of saying that. By the way, I just want to oh. point out. <laughs> it no, it really um, was.
1: You know, maybe it is eloquent, but it's also accurate in the sense you don't have any, like anything to really bring to the table. You know, Mm -hmm. you, you, are sitting down with your, let's say your business partners, or you're sitting Mm -hmm. down with the, the old business owner and you're, you're talking about specifics, you're getting into the numbers and you don't have anything to bring to the table Mm -hmm. in certain areas of that conversation. Obviously it all worked out. And so like, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we got it done. It's just coming from a place of, no leverage, and then talking to people who, mm-hmm. who perhaps have leverage in those conversations. Like, there's a lot of adversity that comes along mm-hmm. in that, and that uh, those are hard. Those are hard conversations to have for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'll bet. And I think that's really the goal or the audience we're talking to is the young folks that don't have leverage. They don't have, yeah. you know, all this cash in their pocket to really make the move that maybe they want to make, mm-hmm. and they are kind of at the mercy of what's what they have and then how do you kind of step over that? So, so without leverage and you're making this business deal, knowing that you're, you're buying a business, like how, what did you do to kind of work through that?
1: I would say that finding mentors and supporters, um, was a huge aspect of that. Um, having people to kind of speak into that decision and like help me wade through the the facts and the figures and understand, you know, what I'm looking at, um, Mm -hmm even, you know, as far as the contracts, understand what the Mm -hmm. contracts are saying and what I'm getting myself into, Uh, but even just emotional support, (laughs) um, you know, there's a lot of stress that comes along with that too. And so Mm -hmm. having people to talk to and, and people that understand the situation and can speak into it, um, mm-hmm. that's a big part of that. I would say too, the lack of leverage, I think sometimes leads to you having to put, you know—you have to almost pay your dues when you first get mm-hmm. into business. And this mm-hmm. is true with Cardinal and Pine, I'd say too, when you first get started, there's a lot of hard work. Um, there's long hours, you have to work hard and, and pay your dues when you first you know, start a business. Mm -hmm. Um, there's obvious, I think this is probably something that comes up pretty often, but there's a kind of a cliche about business ownership that it's like, you know, I get to pick my own hours. I'm like Mm -hmm. driving around in my nice new car, you know, (laughs) like whatever it is. And I I don't know. I, I understand that. I think people have a general idea of what it takes, but actually being in it and like having gone through it, the hours and the hard work and, you know, paying your dues like this, that's a big part of it. I think that a lot of business owners find pride in that. Uh, they're they're proud of themselves for for doing mm. that for investing what it takes to to get the job done um, and that's yeah. one aspect of the lack of leverage is just you have to go into it understanding that you're gonna have to work super hard and pay those dues in order to get started. So, so yeah. did you have
0: much of a social life?
1: Not for, not, not really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Being in your twenties, oh. it's a big deal. It's like, yeah. you're ex- especially dating. You're not married yet. And it's, yeah. it's a yeah. big yeah. deal.
2: <laughs> we got it done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you found, you found the magic formula that worked for you too. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Well, one of the other things, one of the other pieces of adversity that I, that I had written down here was, finding a healthy work-life balance mm-hmm. um, and that goes into that when you're talking about a social life um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe Kate wanted to speak into that one a little well, bit.
3: When you first started Cardinal Pine I feel like that actually COVID kind of gave us a really good jump start on it because mm-hmm. I'm a second grade teacher and so I was still doing I was still teaching but being from home and when you mm-hmm. don't have all of the meetings that you have before we had mm-hmm. some extra time and so that's mm-hmm. when we were able to officially start it and more so towards the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was was a really good starting point for me because I had more time to do it. It was more Mm -hmm. when we got into fall when school was starting and then the candles are something that are more seasonal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it's something that people think about more around like the holiday season or winter mm-hmm. and fall. And so that was when we mm-hmm. got really busy too. And so adding all of those things, that was hard. And that's when we like had to make mm-hmm. a schedule of we can't be packaging orders every single night as they come in because mm-hmm. we want to get them out as fast as we can. We have to make Find a balance. Yeah, we yeah. have to make a balance for those things too. And like this, mm-hmm. these can be our cardinal and pine nights, but beyond mm-hmm. that, we have to be able to still have time for ourselves, especially when we have mm-hmm. other jobs outside of it.
2: Maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: You guys have a set schedule of things like during the week. So like Monday through like written out you Monday through Saturday. It's like, these are the nights we're doing the orders. These are the nights we're doing something else. Is, is that is that kind of what you guys, the system you guys have created?
3: We started that a little bit, especially around the holiday season, and getting more orders ahead yeah. of time. We had to do that. Right yeah. now, it's more. It changes kind of weekly, depending on what yeah. it's looking at or what projects mm-hmm. we're working on. Sure. Um, Communication.
1: So, yeah. I'd say that right now is about you know the two of us really have to communicate um, and communicate well in order to to get everything done you know in a timely manner. And so mm-hmm. when you're talking about setting a schedule, I think that we've just kind of found a really good place where we we're communicating well about what needs to be done. And we're finding the time that fits into both of our, like our work, you know, because we both have other full-time jobs. And so Mm -hmm. that fit into that life, our social life, we're communicating the fine time to get the cardinal and fine stuff done as well.
0: So you all have been married for three months. So newlyweds (laughs) and you're going into marriage with some major communication needs at this point. Do you feel like this being business owners as a couple has really enhanced those skills? Or was there a point along the way where you're like, we got to work on this together or this is not going to work? That's like a, that's a super good
1: question. question. Yeah. I don't think that we've ever like sat down to think about it because I think that for us anyway, communication tends to flow pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty well. And so it's never been something that's That's like come up, you know? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I mean, I would say for sure that it's like, you know, looking back on it, it it for sure has given us a, an opportunity to like learn some communication skills that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise been able
0: to learn. Mm -hmm. How do you all support each other through all of this? Because you both have primary jobs and then you have this extra. So what does that look like as support to one another?
1: Kate's super, super good at giving me like encouragement. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's something that I really admire about her and appreciate. This, you know, this is like off the cuff here, so there you yeah. go, Kate. Yeah, <laughs> Kate, Kate. Kate does like a super good job of giving me encouragement mm-hmm. and positive feedback, um, mm-hmm. and that, that's that's so valuable is, is is receiving that and like feeling mm-hmm. encouraged by that because that's that's a huge yeah.
3: Well, and I think for me too when like because i feel like we do kind of have our own responsibilities within cardinal and pine Mm -hmm. um a lot of time like i i usually make i usually do the candle making nate does a lot of the numbers behind it we both work on packaging orders Mm -hmm. um and i think too one way especially i i tend to i'm kind of the person that i just want to knock it all out and get it checked off my list Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. Nate, one way that he usually supports me too is either jumping in when we really do need to get those knocked mm-hmm. off of our list or get those things done but also reminding me too that I, I might need to take a step back and work mm-hmm. on it the next yeah. day. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Whenever we have time
2: for it. It's, it's, yeah, it it's, a it's okay to breathe every now and again. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's
0: great.
1: That's a, that's a hard lesson yeah. to learn too, for all of us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: You're learning it early in marriage and that's only going to help you along the way. <laughs> <laughs> so great lessons I I, to be learned early on.
2: Caitlin, I think I should be taking notes here. Just you in should case probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, my goodness.
0: <laughs> You're both young. You started these businesses young what advice would you have for other young folks either, you know, coming out of college, they've got this entrepreneur mindset. They want to start a business, but yes, they're looking at some adversity down the line. What would you say to them in the process?
3: I mean, that's one, that's one thing nice too. Nate has been through this before. Mm -hmm. And so he did have a lot of advice when we were starting this, but I think one thing that I learned is that you don't have to have everything in place and that's something that you'll build on and you'll learn more about like we had candles ready we kind of had our website ready but I didn't want to publish it until we had everything perfect like we had Mm -hmm. all the perfect packaging and all the perfect I don't know Mm -hmm. just all the Mm -hmm. I wanted to get a social media started before just to be able to experiment with it and Mm -hmm. those are things that at some point you just have to start and and we have changed a lot of things, mm-hmm. even since starting mm-hmm. just under a year ago. Um, but you can you can start small. You don't have to have it all completely no. the way that you want it to. It doesn't have yeah. to.
1: And also, I get I suppose in terms of just like product offerings, like we mm-hmm. decided on tins, and that's where we started. And we were like, you know, working hard at that. And then we, mm-hmm. and then you know that that's where we like built our foundation. And then after that, we were able to like start adding different product offerings. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we've had like mug candles before, we've done glass jars, we've had wax melts like, mm-hmm. but I think that, that that definitely applies to what Kate was talking about, which is like, we we had to start, we had to build a foundation first mm-hmm. um, and then we could continue to build and add on to it. Like had we waited until we had all that figured out, we would have spent like an astronomical amount of money mm-hmm. um, and not had any sales to back it up. You know what sure. I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And So like that was definitely
3: one well, one example, too, would be like the labels, which right now kind of excite we're working on actually like changing them up um, yeah. mm. a little bit more than what we have. But that's one thing that you see all the, you see all these designs and you think about kind of what you want and what you want it to look like. And so our labels aren't a hundred percent like what we, yeah. if we could just pick what we wanted right now, it might not be what we would choose, but mm-hmm. that was something that you just, Yeah. you, you can fix it later. <laughs> That's
1: a super great point. I think, I think really that comes back to continuous improvement. It's, mm-hmm. it's always looking forward. It's always trying to grow and improve and, mm-hmm. and get better at what you do. Um, both candles and coffee are like crafts, like they're craft in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. These are Mm -hmm. things that can be perfected over time. And Mm -hmm. they take a lot of like experimentation and effort in order to perfect. And so the lesson there is to, to always be searching for improvement, you know, always be continuously improving your art.
0: So starting off small, you don't have to have the perfect picture already going in order to start. So just dive in and then improve upon that. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great.
2: Uh, You guys made a lot of great points there. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I'm down at the university campus. I talked to a lot of young adults about, you know, what their goals are post-graduation, you know, a lot of them going to go work for companies, maybe move, do other stuff. And then there's a lot of them that want to start their own businesses and Like you mentioned, Nate, you want to build their own hours and work their own hours and everything. But one of the things I think they miss sometimes is that whole fact of just the stuff that they might have to sacrifice, you know, the social life, the social aspect and everything like that. So it it sounds like you guys were just okay with doing that because you had a goal. You had a vision of what you really wanted to do and what you wanted to achieve. So. I guess my question is here today and you're still building, what's the what's the future like goal? Like where do you want to go now with all this kind of stuff? Because entrepreneurs are always thinking about the next mm-hmm. the next goal. And I know this is off the cuff, but mm-hmm. where, where do you want to go? what a, what an awesome question.
3: Part of me is like, well, it'd be really cool to have a storefront and to really mm-hmm. like, we've, we've talked about that. Um, yeah. Like e- at long-term, eventually like way down the road, it would be really cool to have a storefront. You, no, you
4: know <laughs> that,
1: like, that's such a great point. And like, and knowing when to, when to make that jump is something that mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and like business owners talk about all the time. It's when you stop mm-hmm. your, Stop your full time gig or your part time gig and just jump in all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd say that that's for sure like a goal of ours in the future is to build up to the point where we're able to like use this as like one of our primary sources of income. Like that would yeah. be, be amazing. Yeah.
3: yeah. Well, and I think more short term is just to start selling more wholesale yeah. um, into different stores yeah. around Lincoln or Nebraska. We have some good connections just because of Canyons customers. And so we've Mm -hmm. had some Canyons customers that have started to sell them inside of their coffee shops, but um, just to, yeah, get them into more places too.
1: Yeah. I think one thing for me, um, Kate and I both have a passion for nonprofits and to help in the community to help build our community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, That's like one of my like number one things. And so finding ways of using both of these businesses to to like better a community and mm. to help nonprofits. Um, that's something that, you know, through fundraisers that we've done with both businesses, but making that a part of these these business cultures, um, the the giving back, that's mm-hmm. something that I'm like all in on. Uh, and those are hard decisions to make, especially in the middle of a mm-hmm. pandemic, you know, yeah. mm. that's, those, those are hard things to do, but that's something that we're both passionate about. So mm-hmm. fi- continuing to find ways of, of building our community through these businesses. That's something I'm like all in on for sure.
2: Whew. I felt, uh, I'm going to be honest, guys. I felt the passion through the screen. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sitting here yeah. and I'm just kind of like, man, I want to go on this journey with them, mm-hmm. just see where it goes. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's cause you're an entrepreneur too, Patrick. I, well,
2: so. in Mind wise, I guess.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I did have one more thing that I wanted to share in terms of like advice that I would give to, yeah. to business owners. And, and that was, um, it, I think it's really important to use your resources. We're g- going back to the, the leverage where we started in mm-hmm. finding oh, yeah. you know, support and mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's incredibly important to use your resources and not be afraid to ask questions. I think sometimes mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. we're talking about entrepreneurship and business ownership, we kind of have this expectation of ourselves that we know everything, you know, that we mm-hmm. we have all the pieces that we need already, that we kind of know everything or we can find it out on our own. You know, there's a yeah. certain independence that comes along with business ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's an awesome part of it. But I think that sometimes we find ourselves stuck because we're not willing to go out and find people that know the answers to our questions. Mm-hmm. We're trying to find them on our own.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and it that's a, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to be able to like, go out and like, you know, have the resources, have the, you know, we have resources at our fingertips that we can use to, to mm-hmm. find answers. So that independence is not always a bad thing, but I think it's really important, especially when you're just getting started to use resources, maybe an accountant or a lawyer, or just like your mentors, and then ask mm-hmm. questions, not be afraid to admit that you don't know everything and ask these questions. Hands down, one of the, one of the most important things that I've learned as a, as an entrepreneur, for sure.
0: I love that. Cause it's, oh, wow. it's wise and sound advice too. I mean, you may not have the financial leverage, but you have the minds of other people who've been there, done that. And that's your leverage. Yep. That's your leverage in the process and to use other people is yeah, yeah that's incredible advice.
1: Yeah. You framed that really well. I couldn't agree more for sure. Well,
0: thank you.
2: It's something I wish that I would have known, like coming out of college, that like, it's mm-hmm. okay to ask other experts mm-hmm. advice of where to go. Yeah you're right. You know, you come, sometimes you come out and you're just like, I know everything and, uh, where's the world on my silver platter, you know? So that's such a great point. Great point.
0: Kate and Nate, this has been a super awesome conversation. Thank you so much for your wisdom when it comes to business ownership. I do want to ask where can people find you either a website or social media?
1: Canyon Coffee Roasters can be found online on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, and our website is www.canyoncoffeeroasters.com.
3: And Cardinal and Pine can also be found online on Instagram and Facebook as well. And our website is cardinalandpinecandles.com.
0: Nate, you're the coffee roaster. So where is your coffee? Where could people find your coffee?
1: Yeah. Uh, 4701 Old Chaney Road, Sweet G in Lincoln, (laughs) Nebraska. So at the corner of 48th and Old Chaney.
0: Perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. I hope we could have you on again. I'm going to find a reason to have you on again. Really appreciate <laughs> it. Good luck with both of your businesses and congrats on your new marriage, too, and everything that goes yeah, on with that.
2: You. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. These are the words-
0: In each money better episode we highlight a community partner that is doing money better whether it is a nonprofit, a customer or an expert in the field our goal is to learn from their strengths and introduce you to resources that can help you do money better too featuring these people and organizations through our podcast is just a small part of ubt's larger mission to elevate the communities we serve Welcome back everyone to our community partner segment. I am once again joined by Patrick Grease. He is the branch manager at UBT on the UNL campus. And we are joined by Kelly Ross. She is the executive director of Echo Collective, a nonprofit here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Echo Collective has a flagship program called the Refinery, which we're gonna focus on today. She's 32 years old and has been in the nonprofit world for eight years. So thank you Kelly for being on Money Better today. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Can you tell us a little bit about the refinery
4: and what it is? Of course. Yeah. So the refinery is a program that helps refugee and immigrant women achieve economic independence as an increase the income that supports their families and also build social capital or build their local community. And we do that through business education and professional mentorships. And we primarily focus on serving women who are still in the process of learning English.
0: Okay, so there's a lot going on there. There's um, language barriers. We've got refugee, um, usually first generation Americans. Yep. And you're teaching them basically how to run a business here in the US. Is that accurate?
4: Yeah, that's accurate. So what we work with women who either have a business already or have a specific idea in mind. So they okay. have a skill that they can monetize or maybe a service they can provide. What are some of the skills that you've seen come through? So I have seen quite a few makers as in women who uh, use their hands to create. Okay. And so we've had women come through who can, sew, uh, those who can knit, crochet, macrame, those who are doing food service, mm-hmm. uh, especially mm-hmm. food design. So food that is a little more elevated aesthetically. Nice. Uh, and then we've also seen service oriented businesses. Like we had a woman come through who um, has an event design business where she would do weddings and baby showers and the like. Wow. So
2: it's a lot, it's a lot of businesses. And other than you mentioned the makers, you know, stuff that they're actually making something by hand, but then you also mentioned a little bit about like event planning and other stuff. So it's not just these um, just products that they're making, they're providing services as well too, is, is, is what I'm understanding.
4: Yeah, we have some women on deck that, you know, one is an esthetician and she wants to uh, really dive into the intricacies of owning your own business here in the U.S. because that's what she did back in her home country of mm-hmm. Iraq. Uh, we also have a woman who wants to start a cleaning business uh, so it, it's not just women who are selling product; it's also service-oriented businesses as well.
2: That's really that's really kind of a that's really kind of a neat thing to kind of see as these women come in and 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 they're in the process of learning English and and mm-hmm. learning what it's like to to live in America, live in Nebraska. What's kind of the um, underlying thing that you're seeing from women all around the world that are coming in, learning about? business in America, business in Nebraska, what's kind of the, was is there main, one main thing that sticks out that is so different doing stuff here in the United States than it is in other parts of the world that they just are trying to understand?
4: Sure. So if I'm speaking specifically from the point of view from the women who come in as refugees, um, you know, they're coming in from countries who their infrastructure has been, torn down for years. And Mm -hmm. so one thing that I see from these women is uh, a fear or an apprehension of the laws and regulations that we have Mm -hmm. here. And so that's the biggest uh, issue that they have in starting their own business is they are terrified of breaking the law
3: uh, because
4: the United States is known for our laws and our regulations. Um, (laughs) And so they're, they're very concerned about following the law and understanding what it means uh, because finding out that you're doing something wrong usually happens when you're on the wrong side <laughs> of the law, <laughs> right. you know, there's not a lot yeah. of proactive communication, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. on the business end. You have mm-hmm. to do a lot of digging to realize what you need to do, especially if English is not your first language and you're still in the process of learning. And mm-hmm. so that's one thing that we really work on is making sure that they're in compliance with all federal and local, uh, laws and regulations. So you're not going out and finding women
0: and building up a skill. They come to the class or the program, excuse me, with a skill. You're doing the business side. You're teaching them business.
4: Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, there have been programs that have been piloted all across the nation. We've actually had a couple here on Lincoln over the past couple of decades where we bring women in first-generation Americans and they're taught a skill and then they are taught how to monetize that skill. Mm. And honestly, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. And we know why it doesn't work because we're Americans and we're like, you do what you want. You follow your dreams, you know, you, Mm. you be successful in whatever you Mm -hmm. can do. So why are we bringing women in and teaching 12 of them how to do something that they might not have a passion for and then Mm. be confused when they try to monetize it and there's no passion there. They're not really interested in it. So they're not gonna really grind and get it done. So yeah. that's why I'm looking for women who have a business or they have a skill or service. So when they come in, they're on fire for what they they wanna do. They just yeah. need support to get it done.
0: I wanna move into why you do what you do. So you, you've started this nonprofit and it just got its nonprofit status, so the 501c3 status this year. Um, so congrats on that, that's really exciting. <laughs> Super <laughs>
2: congratulations, that's yeah. awesome.
0: So I want to talk about nonprofits starting this, especially young, because you're 32 and in the realm of nonprofits, you are very young. Um, And I know that starting a nonprofit is not easy. There's a lot that goes into it that may be a little bit different than a business. So can you tell us why you chose to start a a nonprofit rather than a business?
4: I had the fortune of uh, working with a close friend in her nonprofit and she actually started it out as a social enterprise. So she started it out as a business where the, the goal of that business was to raise money for a cause. And mm-hmm. so they sold items um, in retail and then a large percentage of that sale would then go back to that primary cause. And you see that a lot with a yeah. lot of businesses mm-hmm. um, which I love about the United States But sometimes you can find yourself in a social enterprise and you really should have started a nonprofit. So it kind of depends on what your ultimate goal is. And it can be really scary starting a nonprofit because um, you're no less passionate about Mm -hmm. the people that you're working with. But when Mm -hmm. you start a nonprofit, uh, even though I will always be the founder of Echo Collective, uh, I am required to have a board of directors and that board of directors ultimately oversees my position. And so hypothetically I could be, uh, fired by my board of directors from the nonprofit that I founded. Mm. Um, but again, it comes back to that focus. I decided to start a nonprofit because I want to see the community succeed. I want Lincoln to be an even better place to live. And And I am one person out of an entire city of people. And to think Mm -hmm. that I know exactly how things should be run and how this program should be run, honestly would kill it before it even started. Mm -hmm. And so I want the whole community to be invested because a nonprofit is a community project at its core. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so that's why I chose to do a nonprofit instead of a social enterprise.
2: So there's there's probably a lot of young people out there that I mean, in these days, social awareness and causes and everything are just, it seems like they're everywhere. Every 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 business seems to have one. You got nonprofits for this thing, for that thing. Um, so if, if, if you were to talk to a young person about what they're passionate about, how would you go about that conversation to kind of tell maybe say what's the difference between, is this a for-profit business or is this something that you really need to maybe focus like the more the nonprofit route?
4: Uh, I think it really comes down to individual benefit. And I don't think one is worse than the other. I did not start Echo Collective to make money for myself.
2: (laughs) Mm, Yeah.
4: I I just didn't because I knew that my vision for Echo Collective was not an income generator for me. Ideally it would, generate some income, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. um, right. but it's
4: not something that I'm going to do the rest of my life. It's not something that's going to build my retirement. It's not something that's going to take me to the very end. And this work might, but this individual nonprofit organization might not be what takes me to the end. Whereas mm-hmm. if you start a social enterprise, um, that's going to be ideally the job that gives you more success in terms of tangible things like wealth and mm. um, you know, material possessions and, and stuff like that. And so it's just Mm -hmm. what you're looking for. Are you looking for a career Mm -hmm. or are you looking for a cause honestly?
0: So you're young and you've started this nonprofit. Have you encountered any adversity or challenges along the way?
4: Not everything has been easy, but it's a very strange question to answer when you work with refugees and immigrants, Mm. because I don't even know a drop of the adversity that they have faced in their other countries or even in their journey here and trying to build a life here. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, of course things are are hard, but Mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate because as you mentioned earlier, I have a background in nonprofits. So Mm -hmm. I've created a lot of wonderful relationships in the community of -hmm. people who support me and are there to give me advice when I ask for it. Um, You know, my spouse is extremely supportive and he has a full-time job. And if mm-hmm. he didn't have a full time mm-hmm. job, then I probably I don't know if I would be doing this because um, I wouldn't have enough financial support to uh, to carry on myself personally. Mm-hmm. So I consider myself extremely fortunate.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So I don't want to make it seem like this is easy, like mm-hmm. you know, if you're white and if you speak English as your first language, like it's super easy. But honestly, it is, you know, <laughs> comparatively, comparatively. Yeah, I'm yeah. Very, very One thing that
2: I'm curious about is, I mean, you were mentioning, you know, things that, you know, maybe things are hard um, at times and not everything's hunky dory and rosy and all that kind of stuff. But you mentioned earlier that you report to a board and the board ultimately has a say in you know, the direction of where Echo's going, the direction of the the, the, the program that you're running, your salary, you know, really kind of everything. Being a younger individual, starting a nonprofit, I I don't know who all is on your board, but I'm assuming you have people from all walks of life on the board, which is probably what you want. But how is working with them when they've seen so many different things and you, this young person full of just ideas and just passion and you just wanna like knock down the walls and like, we're gonna go do this. How does that work? How did you, you know? Yeah.
4: Well, as you've just described, it's it's a relationship. Learning how to interact with a board of directors as an executive director is a skill, so it takes time to create. I've read quite a few books on how to do it, and uh, it's a continuous learning process. But I am I am very fortunate um, to have the board of directors that I do. Because since I founded Echo Collective, I recruited the folks that I have on the board. And so I know mm-hmm. that the people that I have on the board, um, they share my same mission and they believe yeah. that we can do it. And so I'm not coming into a nonprofit and meeting a whole new board. I, you know, I recruited these folks. And so oh. I'm very supported by them. Uh, and, you know, there are times, there have been a couple of times over the past couple months where I wanted to settle at 75% for something and I was at my wits end and yeah. <laughs> you know, I was shedding some tears and they're like, no, you need to do this 100%. Like there's, there's no question. You need to do this 100%
2: yeah.
4: and at 100% and like, that's what the board of directors is for. They're for pushing me when I am at, at the edge and, and standing there and making sure I don't fall off. <laughs> Essentially.
2: <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's just really important. Just, I mean, in general, in any working environment, you have to have those relationships, whether it's to a board of board of directors or to a manager or or anything like that. I mean, just those relationships are, are key. And that's awesome. The fact that there you were like, I'm ready to settle. Like we need to be done yeah. with this. And they're just like, nope, no, nope, no, you gotta, nope. you gotta, you gotta do this. You gotta do this. Yeah. yeah. And they're, and they're your boss. So you have to
0: listen. Yeah. I just, I feel like that would be a really challenging thing that you start this, this business, which is a nonprofit, but you're essentially not your own boss. And I think a lot of people go into business to be their own boss and it's different on the nonprofit side because you have this board and I could see how that would, that could create some challenges along the way. Um, because you're this is your baby. This is your, you know, this is your blood, sweat, and tears. And then somebody Mm -hmm. else or a group of people come up and they go, we're going to do it a little bit different, Mm -hmm. a little bit different. And I guess that's kind of going back to what Patrick had asked you, how do you decide nonprofit versus business? And it's kind of Mm -hmm. what, where your passion lies or where you're, you know, where you want to be at the end of this. Is that part of that possible challenge of, you know, this could get really hard.
4: Yeah. I mean, to speak to that, In, in a weird way, um, you know, I'm, I'm serving refugee and immigrant women. I am really close with quite a few women who were born in other countries who are still learning English. Um, I consider them sisters and that relation, those relationships are very special to me, Mm -hmm. but I, I am a white American. Like Mm -hmm. that's never going to change no matter how close I am with these women. And so it's almost a good thing because no matter what my intentions are for these women, it doesn't matter what I think, it matters what they think mm-hmm. and it matters what they need. And because I built my board, um, a very diverse board, mm-hmm. uh, you know, over 50% were born outside of the United States mm-hmm. and we have several entrepreneurs on the board. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's very helpful in keeping me humble and understanding that, you know, I'm a, I'm a vessel for the wishes of the board of directors because they're speaking to their intimate personal experience. And even though I have expertise in this area because i worked in nonprofits, because I have been an educator, um, that doesn't mean that I always know what's best. Mm-hmm. And so it helps me stay balanced mm-hmm. because of who I work with and who's on my board.
2: You seem very just grounded in this this understanding of like knowing who knowing who you're helping knowing what you're wanting to accomplish with them but at the same time knowing that you don't know the answer to everything Mm -hmm. and you rely so much upon your board for that and i think that's just a testament to what you touched on earlier the relationship factor Mm -hmm. i mean through this interview i just feel like you, you you understand that the relationship is everything and then what we do with that relationship and what we do with helping these, these women and everything is, is, is the main goal with the core of this relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just kind of a testament, just to kind of where you're at. I guess my question to you is: what do you think? What are the, the top skills or the top things that you need that that people need to be? If if a young person is looking to do a nonprofit or go into something like this, executive director, whatever. What are the top three, top three, four, however many you wanna put out there, skills or things that they might need to understand before going in that direction?
4: My advice comes from my personal experience. And uh, so first of all, don't reinvent the wheel. If another organization is in your area, is doing what you wanna do, start there. Start Mm -hmm. there, see if you can volunteer, see if you can work there. Um, see if you can support them in doing what they're doing. See if you can improve what they're doing to match, you know, your own vision. Don't create competing programs. And there are certain situations where if one program is toxic, then you want to create. You know, I understand there are um, nuances there, but at the same time, don't do something that someone else is doing. <laughs> um, make sure you actually know the people that you want to serve. Uh, make sure that you're not creating a stereotype of the person you want to serve and think that you know who they are. You mm-hmm. need to be working with the people you want to serve uh, and yeah. really knowing what they want and asking them what they want. And that's where you start from. It's not starting from, from where you want to, what you want to do. It's starting from what they need. That's where you start. And then mm-hmm. lastly, in my advice, it's similar, but don't center yourself in all of this. Like if you start a nonprofit, this is a community organization. So you are not going, things aren't gonna revolve around you. You're gonna be in circle of people revolving around your clients. Your clients are always gonna be in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of what an executive executive director needs in order to be successful for skills, um, I actually have it up on a whiteboard in front of me. That's <laughs> like, awesome. I need to be successful. <laughs> so, okay, so first um, mission alignment, make sure that you're always aligned with your mission. Everything you do feeds right back to your mission. Watch out for a mission creep. It happens. Um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. You know, for our nonprofit, I'm fortunate that I don't really have to worry about that because the people I work with are amazing. And I have a lot of people around me who are from those same backgrounds. So uh, we're, we're pretty much set there. But make sure you have representation on your board of directors um, yeah. that represent the client that you need to serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, financial management if you're not good with numbers, then you either need to get better at numbers or be really good friends with people who are good at (laughs) it. Like your Board of Directors Treasurer, (laughs) right? Or Caitlin Warren. And last, (laughs) Um, always be curious. You have to be curious about what you're doing because things change, people change, society changes, Mm -hmm. new information comes out. And if you get stuck serving people a certain way and you stay there for a decade or two decades, your nonprofit's not going to be sustainable, it's not going to succeed. You're going to be outdated. Yeah. And so make sure that you're constantly curious about what other people are doing and new ways that you can serve your client. Yeah. Well,
2: I mean, I mean I I kind of I kind of feel it on this end of the screen here. I feel the passion. I feel the <laughs> okay. the, the relationship building. I, I feel it. I feel it. I guess on one one point that you that you stated there in the skills um that I'm curious about since you mentioned curiosity. So in terms of the refinery, in terms of what you're doing currently, how are, where are you wanting to go with this? I mean, how, how do you envision this kind of growing to just not just help the women that you're working with now, and then the women that are, you're going to work with in the next year or two, but like five years, 10 years, like what, what are you envisioning for that?
4: So a lot of refugee and immigrant women, when they come in, they obviously have no social network. They might have uh, you know, a family member close by, uh, Mm -hmm. and they might connect with other people who speak the same language as them or are in the same cultural group, but they have, they don't have any type of safety net. And so that's another thing that I want to build that touches back on the the relationship is that community building. Mm -hmm. So I want to have a really strong network of women who can support each other. And so, even though this is this is going to get so much bigger than me, I'm not worried about it because I'm creating all of these tightly woven networks. Yeah. Women come in, and if my capacity has been cut back a little bit because of how we've grown, that's okay because I have 15 to 20 to 30 to 50 other women who know exactly what we're doing, are in tune with our mission, and are ready to support them in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's just that's just with the refinery and Echo Collective as a broader nonprofit organization.
0: Well, Kelly, this has been a really great conversation. It's we've talked to businesses, um, for-profit businesses up until this interview, and I just appreciate just the passion that's behind what you do. You know, there's a lot of differences between a regular business and a nonprofit, so thank you for, um, those are almost your, (laughs) they're your built in adversity is (laughs) just (laughs) what a nonprofit, just the formation of a nonprofit. It's just. It can be hard, and there's a lot of extra people involved. So, um, thank you for doing that. And thank you for what you're doing for our community here in Lincoln. Really appreciate it. Where can people find information about either Echo Collective or The Refinery?
4: So, we are on almost all social media platforms Facebook, it's Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok. If you want to check us out there, um, our handle is The Refinery LNK. And then our website is www.therefinerylnk.com.
0: So L-N-K as in Lincoln. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on Money Better
4: today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for this opportunity.
0: Union Bank & Trust's financial literacy materials, articles, guides, blogs, podcasts, and videos are for informational purposes only and not an advertisement for product or service. The accuracy and completeness is not guaranteed and does not constitute legal or tax advice. Please consult with your own tax, legal, and financial advisors. Member FDIC.